I think a lot of people with eating disorders, they really, you know, we spend years and years of hating the body, not feeling good enough, not feeling confident in the body and never satisfied with the body or it obviously for me especially but for a lot of people it doesn't the eating disorder is not even about the body or the food or anything mm. uh, it's more about um, deeper level of grief or depression or you know traumas that you might have experienced and then uh, like eating disorders usually happen at a very young age so a lot of people like the a lot of people and me myself as well it was almost like the eating disorder found me and it was kind of just a way of showing that i was so like uh, so desperate and like not happy at all uh, so it's kind of like something from the inside that takes out in the body Welcome to the Mindful Mindset, a podcast where we speak about mindfulness, mindset, and having a more positive outlook on life through a mindful practice. On today's podcast, we have Lisa Vingard, who's a 300-hour yoga teacher and a meditation teacher in Stockholm in Sweden. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, can you tell me just, and for the listeners, a bit about yourself and who you are and how you got into meditation and yoga? Sure. So I'm originally from the island Gotland in Sweden, but I have lived in Stockholm since I was 15 years old. And I've also lived a couple of years overseas in the UK and Italy. And I've also traveled quite a lot in Southeast Asia, um, and uh, everywhere almost <laughs> um, and I started yoga for my personal practice uh, around nine years ago and this November it's going to be 10 years ago and I started meditating seriously around 10 months ago now and I've been meditating every day since then but before that, I tried meditation a couple of times and didn't really feel like it was something for me. I found more that yoga to me was kind of like a meditation and an internal practice. But at the time, 10 months ago, I was really, really stressed and uh, was starting to feel uh, depressed because I was working in a very like high intense job in the finance corporate world and I had a lot of meetings I was working in a big company and I was traveling and I was 
at uh, business dinners and parties and it was like non-stop um, I felt like everything was just constant so I was quite uh, I was starting to like lose hair and I was starting to have some memory loss so I had kind of like blackouts in the middle of like being in being like in the office or I was spending time with friends or family and I could have like a blackout like you may feel when you're drinking alcohol or something but I was completely sober so I was doing a lot of reading about it and it's basically just what happens to the brain if you have too much stress so I was quite uh, desperate and that's when I started my real meditation practice yeah um and you just finished your uh, uh, yoga teacher training in February in India. Um, what type of yoga do you do? And for the listeners, can you also explain like what what the benefits of that type of yoga is? Yes, sure. So before I became a teacher, I used to practice a lot of Bikram yoga, like hot yoga. And I also did a lot of vinyasa, which is a lot for the body. Kind of a little bit more like an exercise, I would say. But when I became a teacher, my 200 hour, which is like the, um, the first teacher training you have to do, and then you add on more hours. Uh, so my first 200 hours was Hatha Yoga, which is the very original, very meditative, very calm style of yoga, which is actually where, what all the other styles is coming from. So uh, yeah, Hatha Yoga. And then I did 100 hour Kundalini Yoga which is quite funny because I didn't practice much Kundalini yoga myself before becoming a teacher. But I remember reading about the Kundalini teacher training and it's a lot about the chakras, which is our energy centers in the body. And um, it is such a special style of yoga because we do a lot of Tantra which is not just, uh, most people seem to think that Tantra is just sex, but it's also uh, Pranayama, which is breath work. So Kundalini is quite um, more intense in the postures. So we do a lot of active breathing and active postures. Whereas in Hatha, we do more like slow and more flowy type of yoga. Yeah. I do um, hot yoga as well here locally um, and I think um, there's a series in hot, uh, hot yoga called Hot Earth uh, mm -hmm. by a guy named Shiva um, and it's a combination of uh, Hatha and Vinyasa yoga mm. hot earth, and it's very um, I guess like since you've done Bikram yoga, it's like a, the, there's a series. Uh, the hot earth is a bit similar. Uh, there's like a, first we do uh, some sun salutations, then we'll go over to some balancing postures and some uh, core exercise. And then we uh, do like a reverse boat and like you go down to the ground, like 
you work your way down as in Bikram as well. Um, and it's very interesting because I, because I think, or I've always had the like meditation and the yoga separate, but when I started to do yoga more, because I had a three to five year practice in meditation, uh, and started taking it more seriously, uh, last October or something, when I started to suffer from a burnout, um, made it more of a, like a daily practice and, uh more intense practice as well. And that's when I also started to do more yoga and I got this sensation that yoga is just a movement-based meditation. Yeah. Uh, because it, it sort of connects your breath to every movement that you do. It's just interesting to me that there is that side of it as well, because I think just presuming that yoga is balancing or flexibility is so 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 wrong <laughs> yeah it is it's so wrong and it's a lot of people nowadays call yoga like a workout like yeah. an external practice but it's really an internal practice just like meditation is it's all about listening to your inner voice connecting to your breath and just getting that break from all the like constant impressions. Like I just love in yoga and meditation when you close your eyes and you let go of the outside world and you just go within. Yeah. That's so magical because we're so constantly getting like images or hearing <clears throat> like if you watch TV, which I don't anymore, but when I used to, it's like constant uh react like reacting uh to everything uh, and even if we are aware of it or not the brain will do it to everything that we see so yeah yeah i think that's also i talked with um Evan brunner in one episode in the podcast we talked about uh, active listening as well like we're always in react mode we're always whatever happens we're always reacting to it instead of engaging in it and just or almost not even not engaging in it more like being still and letting it engage with you um it's just so fascinating to me it's so something i was taught outside of yoga but i just realized that once you said like reacting and everything makes sense to me because it's it's so hard as well because you judge everything everywhere everywhere you go uh, you don't really take a moment to just let things be. Mm. Um, but for me, I never enjoy Shavasana. I don't, I don't know why. You I, don't enjoy Shavasana? No, I get oh so much anxiety. I, ah, it's just the worst. Sometimes I can like really enjoy it, but usually my head is just on a loop, so I can't. Oh my God, you have to do Shavasana with me. <laughs> what I always say to people is just to, like at the moment when you lay down, or the first step in Shavasana is to tell everyone that whatever you need to do now before going into Shavasana, do that. If you want to do happy baby pose, do happy baby pose. If you want to do a headstand, do a headstand. And then come into Shavasana. But it's all, I also always say to 
if you need any like um, bolster, any cushion, any pillows, take yeah. that before Shavasana so you're as comfortable as possible. And yeah. then I always say to let go of the practice, let go of your breath, let go of controlling your thoughts, mm. mind, anything, and just relax into Shavasana. But then I usually also do like a body scan for relaxation. Yeah. And I also have this beautiful music that I usually put on with like these Indian sounds so that yeah. you can listen to that and really get into a super relaxing state because Shavasana is all about receiving. Yeah. You're not supposed to, you know, think that you need to do anything in Shavasana or that you, maybe for you, for example, <laughs> I can imagine that maybe you now have kind of like a blockage that you have to enjoy it so much yeah. and you're kind of not enjoying it. So it's also just accepting that maybe it's not your favorite part of yoga, but it is the moment where you actually receive all the benefits from the practice. So yeah. my teacher said to me that it's like, it's always like those five minutes or 10 minutes it's always worth for staying in shavasana and just receive because we are in a constant society where we give we perform we have we have to deliver so this is the five or ten minutes that you just receive everything from the yoga yeah yeah I, because my mom said that she just she that's the only part of yoga she enjoys <laughs> the complete opposites that the only part i don't enjoy um so it's really weird but i guess yeah yeah it's but it's just like it's an overwhelming feeling of i think uh, there's probably something with like how i deal with um uh, anxiety and I can't do it in a yoga studio room. So whenever, like it's, the worst ones are like when I do hot earth 90 um, and after the practice, the last five, 10 minutes are just feels like two hours just because I really don't know what to do. I don't know how to escape anything. Everything just feels like a trap and I'm going to be stuck here forever. Yeah. Um, and that's really hard when you're in that situation to just like, you know, let go yeah of course but have you tried using then your meditation skills because you have meditated for so long and in like meditation and yoga goes hand in hand but it's also important to bring your meditation skills into every situation with anxiety so maybe just for you maybe not let go of the breath maybe really focus on the breath and just try to stay yeah. meditative in shavasana yeah i'll try it i think i have a class on sunday so i'll do it yeah I'll, yeah i'll let you know how it goes yeah um, but the thing i wanted to ask you because i saw that you did uh instagram clench and you talked about performing and um on today's in today's society and we're so constantly overwhelmed um you did friday to tuesday, tuesday yeah 
uh, and how did that feel? Yes, so I did like a Instagram detox, I called it. So on Friday, I had, I'm so grateful because I connect a lot with people on Instagram and I get a lot of uh, direct messages from people where I get such beautiful connections and I truly love responding to messages and comments because I think social media can be fantastic if you use it in the way of connecting with people and you find people that you maybe not would find um, elsewhere. But I also know I am so aware of that Instagram and Facebook and a lot of social media channels are actually designed by uh, people that know how to get us addicted and how to make the brain as addicted as possible. So I'm very aware of the fact that, for example, for me, when I decided to do my Instagram detox, it was kind of like, um, like it could be the first thing I thought of in the morning was like, oh my God, I have to remember to respond to this person, or I have to remember that I'm gonna create this new, quote today you know the first thing that i thought of uh, because i'm trying to not use my phone the first three hours in the morning and the last hour in the night to get a break from it Uh, but i was sensing that i started to maybe use my phone a little bit earlier in the morning than i normally do so i decided to take the detox and what i did was that i logged out from instagram And then I deleted the app completely for three days. And it was so incredible because my, honestly, the first hour I deleted it, I went out to the forest and I was like picking flowers, like hand-picked bouquet of flowers. And I was just walking in the forest and I saw like four deers like a whole deer family which was incredible and then i saw two big hairs uh, like mummies um and it just struck me that like we don't see these things or we don't even do these things when we're constantly scrolling on the phone so either for example if that was if i wouldn't have taken away instagram I might have been, you know, inside on my sofa and I might be responding to people or I might be posting. So just the fact to just, as soon as I did whatever I wanted to do, I went outside and because I wasn't looking down in the phone, I saw all these animals and, you know, I was listening to the birds. You get so present when we're not constantly looking down in our phones. Yeah. And that first night I slept 11 and a half hours because, you know, now they're starting to see that like our sleep has like decreased with like it's so much. I think it's like two hours less now than it used to be a couple of years ago because we have our smartphones. So I don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom, but I think psychologically when I deleted Instagram, it was kind of just like, you know, the, the whole 
system just relaxed so much because it's uh, for me nowadays it's kind of like also like my where people book my yoga where I respond to emails you know so it's more like a maybe if it's your personal Instagram it's not that you know I don't want to say stressful because I don't think it's stress but it's um it's a little bit more like I'm um it's not just like when you maybe you post a photo of what you're eating it's kind of more like a uh, my my own business now so maybe that's why i relax so much when i logged out but i highly recommend it to everyone you know who feels like they might be getting either like they spend too much screen time uh, on their phone but also now in Sweden in the summer usually it's holiday and that's the sad part is that most of the times we tend to like post more when we're on holiday but I highly recommend to like take a detox from Instagram and just spend time with your family be present be in nature it was so nice yeah because I I did sort of something like that, but I, I think I did, um, I deleted all my social media apps from my phone for a year. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, yeah, it was last year. Um, and it was very rewarding. I sometimes just logged on to just post like one thing and then just like deleted the app again. But yeah, it's, it's like so freeing. Um, for me, I do a lot of work on social media. So like completely taking it out again would like be like hard, but I think how you use social media uh, is so important. Um, I think, for example, I, I realized that I can use it strategically but as, a lo as long as I don't consume it, I, I was sort of in the go, like I, I like sitting on and just scrolling because it's like, a f there's a reason why it's like your feed because it feeds you everything. It's like nonstop all the time. And there are some, there's like Facebook I don't use. Uh, first of all, I, it's on my computer as well, if I need it, but, um, like most of the apps are so unnecessary. Instagram, I do so much on, um, so it's like hard to just, you know, I think it's just um, like, what do you actually need? It's a very minimalistic sort of practice to sort of like mm -hmm. try to calm your brain from the constant overwhelm of people telling you about their lives. Yeah. I think people forget their own lives in that and our own stories and our sort of perspective in this as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because I just saw it and I was like, well, I need to, <laughs> I need yeah. to talk about it because it's, it's so beautiful. It's so relieving. The first 30 days I did it was, um, the most free I've ever felt like I, I think I got into a deeper state of meditation as well. Yeah. Um, 
And you know, so many people have anxiety now and so many people are stressed and suffer from burnouts. And to be honest, in a way, it's so obvious that social media is one of the like worst like factors to this because mm. people are comparing themselves it's constant feeding it's constant reacting so it's like non-stop but it seems like unfortunately it seems like the addiction is like has already taken over so people don't even seem to see that they might need a break from it yeah because i think also a very dangerous thing with social media is like the constant comparing to others which both makes you like obviously anxiety anxiety but it's also very dangerous for like creativity and for you know maybe daring to start your own business and stuff like that when we compare ourselves to others we don't even dare to take that step because the brain is telling us that it won't be as good as, um, or the mind is telling us that it won't be as good as this person who I'm already seeing doing this. And then the worst thing about social media that I'm trying to point out from time to time is that it might look so easy, but this person that you're watching might have been doing this for like 10 years or more. So a lot of times when I post like my yoga videos or when I do some advanced poses, I'm trying to people that I've practiced for like nine years and people are usually like thanking me for saying that because some of them are beginners and mm. they might then see it as like, yeah, like, oh, why can't I do that? Or why is my, why am I not flexible like that? Yeah. Um, we know it's not about flexibility and it's also years and years of practice into it. Yeah, and it's so that's so fascinating for me for to hear because I've I've seen so many people just post like these advanced posts like full lotus or any type of splits or like standing splits and it's just like the fuck. <laughs> and I'm always <laughs> like, the fuck am I supposed to do that? And it's always <laughs> story of like something about it and I'm almost like don't I don't I don't get it because the, the yoga community has also been part of making it a more commercialized practice in the way that we adopted yoga to social media because we started to use photography and beautiful poses to highlight the yoga community which then means that people are scared of it and won't get the benefits of it yeah i think it's just scary to hear people tell me that they can't do yoga because they're not flexible i'm like nobody's nobody's born flexible nobody is born in a split like everybody learns it and it takes time and like like with any workout there is no quick fix yeah There's no, like two-day splits or anything like that it's yeah. it's all hard years of practice like so i think it's very hard but the question i have is how do you feel like we tackle that how do we how do we remove that sort of stigma from it yeah 
So first of all, it's so funny because one of my teachers said something to me that I just love. So there was someone who said like, no, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. And then my teacher asked the person, flexible in the body or in the mind? Yeah. You know, because it's so like, honestly, I just feel like a lot of people are saying, no, I can't do that. Or I've always been like this. But it's obviously the mind that needs to be flexible. The body doesn't even matter. It's the mind that needs to yeah. change. But I do agree that uh, social media has really, in so many aspects and in so many businesses, sports, um, cultures, in ev- like, and in yoga, it has changed sort of like um, the perception of it. And I think a lot of people have these now pre-thoughts about yoga that like it's kind of become, I think some like yoga clothing brands have really, you know, they might have these supermodels and these supermodels might also be over flexible which a lot of people are over flexible and they can do these crazy poses, um, but it might actually be harming for them to go so deep into the poses. If you're over flexible, you can do a lot with the body, but long-term it might uh, damage the body. And then they post these amazing photos on a beach and you know, perfect body, perfect pose and all of these kind of things. And I think that, first of all, I think everyone has a responsibility who they're following. I try to post this quite often, that like unfollow anyone in social media that triggers you in any way. And if that's, for example, if you see a photo like that and you're comparing your body to that person, then I highly recommend to just unfollow that person and maybe follow some accounts that has more like body positivity and body diversity. Um, And then I also think we all have a responsibility to, like for example, when I'm trying to mention that I practiced for nine years, I'm also very aware because I used to have eating disorders. So I'm trying not to um, to post like photos that might be triggering um, you know, maybe where you like, um, yeah, certain angles or stuff where you look maybe skinnier than you are, you know, it's so unnecessary to contribute to this like crazy body image that is all over social media and has been all over, you know, before social media, it was the magazines. Um, But I think also for these people who might be thinking like this about yoga, I highly recommend to try a meditative yoga class. And I highly recommend to not think that the photos or the videos on Instagram is like the, that that is yoga because it isn't. Yoga to me is like, when you go to your mat and when you connect to yourself and your breath and you you listen to your inner voice. So it's again about stopping this constant feeding like we talked about and to just take a break and a pause and connect to the breath. I love this expression, which is like yoga is not an external practice. It's an internal practice. 
And it's the same with the photos. It's the same when you're in a studio. Like it doesn't matter what the person next to you looks like or what the person next to you, how deep they get into the poses. It's about connecting to your state on that day because yoga is so a daily practice. We might be able to do full lotus one day, but then the next time we practice, we might not do. And it's just about accepting that. So, yeah, so I think someone who might feel that I recommend to try yoga and find your style and don't think that you need to do these trendy styles. You know, power yoga, for example, is super trendy at the moment. And that might not like for me, that wasn't for me. I tried it, but mm. it's not my style because I am more into like the meditative and the internal. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's just like for me it's been so many different styles of yoga. For me, I feel like the workout makes sense with me for me because I learned to well, I I quickly understood that if I adopt my meditation practice into this like not power yoga, but we have like Pilates. Is that power yoga? No, no, but I know Pilates. Yeah. yeah. What's power yoga then? Power yoga is very like high intensity. Like it's kind of like when you do a, um, it's amazing when you do like, for example, instead of doing like a knee, chest and chin to the ground, when in a sun salutation into Cobra, you do Chaturanga and then you might do a handstand and then you jump back, you know, it's a little bit close to Ashtanga yoga. Okay. And then some uh, power yoga teachers might also have hip hop instead of like relaxing in the, oh, okay. yeah. So it's uh, yeah. For me, it's like I got we had like we have some Pilates, and then we have core practice as well. Um, and these are all like hot as well because they're in the hot yoga room. Uh, so I just adopted my meditation practice into that very early on. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's just fascinating to see that people find the way into yoga. But for example, I try to encourage more people to go into it. Uh, I think I was a bit afraid of it a long time. And then last October I went into it and completely changed everything. Yeah. Just, I think if people um, see it as this, flexible and as long as we have this like picture of um beautiful poses and hard flexible poses we won't really get out of it i think what some people have done is show how they struggle how they looked like on a side bend the first time and a back bend the first time and then how they look now and yeah like put time stamps on them and like you can see the difference and the hard practice it takes um for me it's always also i think because you said comparison kills creativity and i agree with that what i also see is that inside of the yoga room it's very hard uh and inside of like a yoga studio or when you do your practice with others how do you deal with not comparing in in those situations when you're in in the or in the classes mm. 
Yes, so when I used to practice a lot in the studios uh, before I became a yoga teacher, I know what you mean, like there's always maybe someone who might even be a teacher who is there and they can do it flawlessly and they can do all the most advanced poses. But I think what really shifted for me was when I really understood that like yoga is your moment on the mat. Doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, doesn't matter what happened before the class or after the class or in the room next to you. When you really learn to control the mind and control yourself to just go within, then it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing in the room or what the teacher is doing. And I think one thing that I'm trying to really constantly remind my students of is to close the eyes and not, you know, look at what everyone else is doing. Because a lot of the times in yoga, I see that people are opening their eyes or they're looking at what the teacher is doing or what someone else is doing. And of course, sometimes you have to look what the teacher is doing so you can see. But looking at what everyone else is doing is so irrelevant in yoga because it doesn't, it genuinely doesn't matter. And I think if we can see one positive thing from um, these strange times that has been now this year with COVID-19, I think it is that a lot of people have practiced at home with themselves. So I've done a lot of online classes and I've heard a lot of people have been practicing on YouTube and stuff like that. And that might be a really good way for someone to learn to control this comparison and learn to control this mind of uh, constantly comparing yourself or getting like distracted by people around you. So it might be good to first practice in your home until you feel like you're comfortable. Or I'm also doing a lot of like personal training in yoga. So it's kind of like one-on-one sessions. And it's both for beginners to feel comfortable because I get that it's quite scary if you've never practiced yoga to go into a studio and you like, and to understand the poses and the whole practice it might be quite overwhelming. So some people might try it and then they never want to do it again. (laughs) Or they might try it and it might not be as nice as it's supposed to be. Mm. So personal yoga is very beautiful because then we can practice on, like I always have a call prior to the one-on-one sessions to see what it is the person wants to practice on. It might be this you know, the spiritual side, it might be an injury that someone has, and then we focus on that in the practice. So that's also a really good way to trans trans, um, into yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I think, because I had had a private lesson with the studio owner that I go to, Mm -hmm. uh, and we did our entire practice like looking away from the mirror yeah like if you look in the mirror like you think when you're in a yoga studio you're comparing yourself to everyone else but it's actually just like looking in the mirror you're even comparing yourself Uh, and it was just so interesting and then i went to a vinyasa class and 
we were in war Warrior Two, and the teacher said that uh, look uh, beyond your fingertips and beyond the mirror because the mirror is not even there. And I was just there, like, and I just envisioned like going further, and it's it's hard, I think, to understand how you do it, but once you do it, it just sort of makes sense. Yeah, it's looking beyond the mirror means actually not seeing it and it goes a bit deeper it's just uh it's very it sounds very weird but no it's beautiful <laughs> i get it completely yeah. but also i don't get i i've been to a lot of studios where there's mirrors yeah in my opinion there shouldn't even be any mirrors in the studio no i think so too yeah yeah they're they kind they don't really ruin the experience because i think in some like in some postures that we do it feels like there is a benefit to having mirrors but then again there's also a teacher who's like telling me how to do it so i'm like do i really need the mirrors because yeah. then i'm just like comparing myself to others because yeah. with mirrors i can see everyone else much easier <laughs> yeah and you're also judging like i used to go to bikram yoga and then there was always a mirror in the store in that studio and I remember that I was like a lot of like judgment, uh, even when I was practicing then at the time, I was practicing a lot of like self-love and being kind to myself. But you judge yourself quite a lot. Like if you can't get into the pose as deep as you want, or if it doesn't look the way that you have decided that it should look, then it's quite a lot of self-judgment when you have mirrors in the studio yeah yeah mm -hmm. how how did uh because you mentioned it a bit how did yoga and or yoga mostly help you from your eating disorders and moving on from that space into this sort of mental clarity that you're at now yeah I think that when I used to have a eating disorder, I used to have a lot of like negativity and self-hate towards the body. And I think a lot of people with eating disorders, they really, you know, we spend years and years of hating the body, not feeling good enough, not feeling confident in the body and never satisfied with the body or it obviously for me especially but for a lot of people it doesn't the eating disorder is not even about the body or the food or anything mm. uh, it's more about um, deeper level of grief or depression or you know traumas that you might have experienced and then uh, like eating disorders usually happen at a very young age so a lot of people like the a lot of people and me myself as well it was almost like the eating disorder found me and it was kind of just a way of showing that i was so like uh, so desperate and like not happy at all uh, so it's kind of like something from the inside that takes out in the body so to me yoga was just so magical to go from this harsh world where you're just hating judging never feel good enough 
to come into this world where you can just be yourself completely you're good enough just the way you are and you don't need to change anything and me especially but a lot of yoga styles we or like a lot of yoga teachers are really highlighting to really appreciate the body to see the body like the amazing tool as it is like we don't have to be the body and we don't have to change the body or you know think too much about it but we can appreciate it as this amazing smart tool as it is and um, yeah for me it was really a shift as well to realizing how amazing the body is when we take care of it um, yeah. and also one thing that i love that my teacher said it was like to listen to the body when it whispers and not when it screams because to me it used to be a lot that i used to push everything like if i was stressed for example like last year when i was in my finance job I saw small signals when the body is whispering to you to calm down and to try to slow down. But I was just pushing that all the time. But with yoga, I've really learned to see signs when my body is telling me to either slow down, to maybe say no to some things, even saying no to daily practice. Like I do yoga now every day, but some days my body, my mind might want to do it, but the body don't. And to listen to that before you like push your body so far into like burnout or uh, any kind of like self-harm to the body. Um, yeah, and yoga has also helped me to heal on other levels too like a lot energetically so i think the body is one aspect of eating disorders but then there's also the mind there's the energies that might be stuck in the body because i was 13 when i had my first eating disorder so i had a lot of suppressed energies and emotions that hadn't been healed so with yoga, I have really worked on letting go of these old traumas, these old emotions to just free yourself completely and just be, you know, find your true self because eating disorders and depression and burnouts, it's not us. It's not our true state. It's just what's happened to us when we get too far away from our true self, I think. Do you think that's all it is when it comes to sort of mental illness, that it's it's uh, going away from what you actually want to be doing, what you actually love doing? I think a lot of mental like struggles comes from that. I think there's, I really don't underestimate traumas because there's so many people who are suffering from traumas, especially people with mental health issues where traumas that hasn't been healed in, you know, mentally, energetically or physically. So there's so many layers of it, but I think these normal, like it's so crazy that mental health problems are becoming quite normal. It's like every other person has like anxiety or stress or burnouts. And I think these ones are definitely 
us coming too far away from our true nature, coming away from, you know, when we were children, when everything was like playful and fun, we get so far away from that. So we forget how to just enjoy the simple things or to be really happy for simple things. And uh, yeah, so some, some, maybe like the most, uh, like not the most severe mental health issues. Mm. Mm. I just, um, because I every time I feel overwhelmed or stressed, I try to, I'm not the best at it, but I try to take a moment to go out in nature uh, to sort of connect on a with something else beyond myself. And it's, we were, on Monday we were hiking. So two days ago we were hiking and it was just this beautiful moment of, well, we were set to hike for approximately three hours and it became six, but uh, we, um, we were, it was uh, my family. So my mom, my, brother and my sister and her husband uh, hiked in, uh, in the north of uh, Skåne, south of Sweden. And we um, went through all these beautiful woods and we went through all these sort of, um, uh, there were all these hiking trails and um, then we saw some caves and there were these, um, meditation rocks like you see those sand like where they stack rocks on top of each other mm. uh, and it just felt so freeing to get away from my like sort of the big city life mm. um, to sort of get out into nature and have a small like day just for that yeah uh, just for us and I think that's what, like, I've seen so much people lose touch with is like outdoors and hiking. And I've, I've even told people who are like, I want to travel to like, go on these uh, retreats or I want to go here and there. And I'm like, well, you can just go to like, <laughs> you have lovely nature in Sweden. You can you don't have to go as far. No, you don't. And I think people underestimated us. They do. Honestly, I it's my biggest priority is to connect with nature every day. So I walk at on my lunch break every day. I go for half an hour out in the forest and then I walk one hour in the afternoon in the forest. And I prefer to just have silence, so no headphones, no phone or yeah. anything. Because they have both, they've seen, I think it's so interesting, they've seen that like the happiest people in the world spend, they are the people that live on the countryside and not the city people. So yeah. that really touched me because I don't think that we are meant to live this stressful city life at all. And I think also that nature is such a true element to us like you know we've known it in our 
genes and blood since so many generations. Our ancestors were like living in the woods. So it's something that just calms us so deeply. So I think that more people should be out in nature and it's kind of like finding your element, I think. So uh, I used to be a lot of, um, like I used to be very much like a water person. So I was always by the ocean or by the water, really calmed me down. But I've changed quite a lot. So when I was in India, I felt quite up in the in the air I don't know how to say it but I really needed to ground myself after my experience in India so recently since I came back I've just been spending so much time in the forest because the forest has such a grounding um, grounding effect on us you know the mother mother earth and the soil is like really grounding so there's uh, it's so good to connect with nature and know what you need so for example if i would have known now last year when i was so stressed all the time i obviously would have need to be in the forest every day but instead i was in the like you know hectic city center mm. so it's really analyzing and getting to know yourself which is the problem like before i started my meditation I didn't take time to even ask myself what I needed. So I think we need to really take more time to just connect with ourselves and ask ourselves what we need and then just do that. You know, we all have half an hour or even more. You know, I canceled my Netflix last year and I realized how much time I have in a day. You know, it's all about taking away something that isn't giving you any kind of well wellness or well-being and then take that time and find what's your true, like, recharging place or, you know, the place where you can just relax and just do that instead. How long have you... Yeah. I might have missed it, but how long have you done your nature practice, sort of walks in the nature? Mm. Well, I've actually now, like my half an hour lunch walk that I do every day, I've been doing now for like seven years. Yeah. I always, after lunch, it's so good for you to go out and walk because when we eat, we get a lot of energy. But if we sit down after lunch, which a lot of people do, then the body and mind don't know where to do with all this energy. So it's really important to go for like, and I go for walks, but you can also stand up. It's better than sitting down, but walking is the best. So, um, yeah, so I've been taking that walk and that has been depending on where I lived. So I used to live in Brighton in the UK and the ocean was there. So then I used to walk by the ocean and now I live very close to the forest. So now it's always in the forest and my connection to the forest has been now for almost two and a half year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just takes like mindfulness for people who don't who like work very centrally, uh, don't really have time. I think you, if you're just mindful about the walk that you're taking, it's enough to just go around city center and just observing everything that's happening. 
And as you said, like without headphones is always the best because you're, because we have like a brain that is designed to do one thing at a time. Yeah. Uh, there's no point in sitting and uh, doing two things at one time. Like multitasking <laughs> is so, so overrated. Yeah. Um, so without headphones and just observing everything around you and being very mindful about it takes a lot of practice to be very mindful in your daily life but i think i think it's it's such a good good tip to do yeah definitely um i don't think i have more uh just because we covered so much (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah i think um nature work walks um i struggle with them i need to practice on that um but yeah it's um it's always fun to talk to people who want to strive for mental health issues and tackle those and i have a question for you yeah you talk so beautifully about your mom are you really close to her yes Hmm. i think i um I think I call her like once a day. I'm a very Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. very nice. Do you have a good relationship with your parents? So I have a, yes, I do. Uh, but my mom, she has schizophrenia and she yeah. got schizophrenia when I was six months old. So she's been in the hospital on and off my whole life. And now she's in kind of like a, a care home for people with mental health issues. Uh, so growing up, I've been super close with my dad because he's kind of been like my mom and my dad, um, mm-hmm. both at the same time. Um, and I'm very close to my dad still. Uh, and my mom and I... We are as close as we can be. It's really difficult when someone has such a like um, severe uh, mental health uh, uh, problem, but we are, yeah, as close as we can be. No. Yeah. That's so nice. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's all I have. Anything else you want to say or ask before you uh, and <laughs> um, no it's just if anyone would like to ask me anything about what we talked about or if anyone wants any general tips on how to change you know whatever we've talked about if they need some help with how to start this practice then they can just message me on instagram or on my email is also on my Instagram and on my website. So I'm yeah, always- I think, uh, It's linked down below, so I'll post it there, uh, your Instagram and your website. Um, cool. Um, that's all then. Thank you for listening and don't forget to leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Mindset. 
If you'd like to leave a review and you have the time out to do so, please do because it helps the podcast out a lot. It's like commenting and uh, liking a video on YouTube, so it really helps. So if you're on YouTube, you can do that instead. Either way, um, thank you for listening, uh, hearing my story out as well as Lisa's story. It's really uh, enduring for me to see that people actually take the time out to listen to the full episode. Uh, so that's very fun. Like uh, you listeners a lot and. It's a really good episode that I was very proud of when I listened to it and listened back to it. I think that it took out something in me that I felt very proud of and that I was like, this is a benchmark I want to have for future episodes. So with that said, I also want to say that the episodes will not be as frequent. They won't be like a weekly basis thing. They will be more free. So some week I might produce four episodes just because I'm in the mood. And some weeks I won't produce any. That's just something I feel that I don't want to be stuck in that sort of moment where I need to produce something. Which I was in last week. That's why I didn't produce because I took the time out to say no. And I took the time out to say I need to take care of myself first and feel comfortable in doing this episode. Otherwise, the suffer or the quality will suffer from that. So uh, that's why I didn't release a podcast episode last week. Um, if you're like, I, I, I'm guessing I have zero people who follow the podcast very little, but just like an update for whoever cares. Probably just mom. But hi, mom, I guess. Either way, I really hope. Uh, you leave a review and I wish you a really really good day Uh, and yeah next episode will probably be another interview so uh, I'm really excited for that one Uh, I got some stuff going on uh, and other life updates I'm running a clothing brand with my brother now so there's uh, time that needs to be taken out for that as well so either way um, I hope you have a great day. Take care of yourself. I hope if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you're staring at a pink screen. I know, and uh, that's not fair, but that's life. Cool. Uh, have a great day. Take care of yourself, and yeah, that's all. Bye.